Matthew 20, beginning at verse uh, 29. This is God's holy and infallible word. Um, The words are on the screen. I am going to be referencing this text in detail as well as a bit before this scripture text and after. So I'm sure it would be beneficial if you kept your Bibles open. Listen now to God's holy and infallible word. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they had heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, (laughs) have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. What do you want from a vacation? This is a time of year where Many of us have opportunities, uh, even if it's for a weekend or, or, or a week or some even more, to go on vacation. And you might say, you might answer that, uh, that you just want to veg, you just want to chill, you just want to hang out. As a family, uh, we uh, recently were on a, a week's vacation with Sarah's sisters and their kids and her mom. And heading into the vacation, I definitely wanted to just veg, but it turned out Uh, We were staying at a place that had a lot of great things to do. Uh, Basketball, pickleball, nine square, there's a pool. We were by Lake Michigan and a beach there. There's a candy and and sort of ice cream shop to visit. Uh, They scheduled uh, the folks there a 1.5 mile fun run that we all participated in. Plus, there was Bible school for the three-year-olds through fourth graders. Uh, youth group type stuff for middle schoolers and high schoolers and a Bible study for adults. It was almost like a family camp, which we didn't realize that that's what we were doing, but it was just great. And so having experienced all that, um, I'd have to say now that what I would want from a vacation with my family are enriching activities to do in addition to having some time for vegging. Um, I could go on about this great vacation we have. Our family members could tell you, but um, the vacation obviously isn't the point of the sermon. We're asking ourselves a much more profound question than what you'd want from a vacation, and that's, what do you want from Jesus? What do you want from Jesus? How would you answer that this morning if, if pressed? Today, uh, we're reading the second miracle in the book of Matthew where two blind men are healed. And if you've been, been here the last number of months and were paying attention, you have been like, oh, we had a miracle on two blind men being healed already. Um, I'm not expecting us to all remember that, but the first one was in chapter 9, and the emphasis in that miracle was on faith. And we saw there three attitudes of miraculous faith. It waits upon the Lord. In other words, it waits on God's timing. 
It inspires proclamation. In other words, you can't help but tell others about miraculous faith once you have it for your own. And third, we saw that it expects opposition. Satan will try to make life difficult for you if you are a person of faith. This miracle is also a healing of two blind men, but there's something different going on. We have only one sentence from Jesus in these verses, which is kind of striking. What do you want me to do for you? Or we might say, he said, what do you want from me? And we see three responses from God's word to that question. One possible answer to the question is power and glory. What do you want from Jesus? Some people say power and glory. And we find that in the verses before ours, uh, the section before ours. The mother of the disciples, James and John, asked Jesus for a favor. And we read that in Matthew 20, verse 20. And then in verse 21, Jesus has almost the identical question as the one in our reading. What is it you want, he asks. And her answer is basically, what she wants from Jesus is is that her sons receive a position of glory and power in Jesus' kingdom. They had just recently been, these two disciples, James and John, along with Peter, on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, with Moses, with Elijah, and, and following that, this mother sees an opportunity. God clearly thought they were, Jesus clearly thought they were a bit special already, took them up for this special experience. And, and now she's saying, here are your guys, Jesus, my boys, John, who you love so dearly, who's so close to you already, and who has learned so much from you about what it means to be a loving person. And James, his older brother, who's more fiery, Lord, they're the perfect balance of personalities that you need. And there's a reason everyone calls them sons of thunder. Jesus, these guys, my boys, they'll be difference makers in your kingdom, especially if you put them in in important positions. There's a reason this request, this attempt at grabbing some power happens when it does. Uh, we, We read that Uh, a little bit earlier, that Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. In our verses, we see that they're leaving from Jericho. The road from Jericho to Jerusalem changes elevation by 3,300 feet. And so the road, the way, definitely inclines up. There are a number of psalms in the Old Testament called Psalms of Ascent. It's Psalms 120 through 134. And as pilgrims, would ascend to Jerusalem, Mount Zion, for the special feast days of the Old Testament church to worship God. They sang these songs in particular. Also, when kings were crowned, they also ascended to Jerusalem because the capital was on a mountain. And so these crowds around Jesus in our text, they thought... That's what was happening. That there was going to be a coronation ceremony when they arrived at Jerusalem. 
And we know they thought that because the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, is recorded right after our miracle where everyone welcomed Jesus into the city. They said, Hosanna. They spread their cloaks on the ground. They cut palm branches and waved them. That's the stuff they did back then for kings. This mother wanted to make sure that her sons had important posts in this new administration that they assumed Jesus was uh, starting. Especially with these miracles, people are beginning to see, wow, this Jesus is powerful. The stuff that he could do. He's the Son of God, the disciples had confessed just a little while ago. And they, they're starting to think, I want some of that power. I want some of that glory that will come with a new king reigning from Jerusalem. They're seeing that he's the one promised in the Old Testament, the Messiah, the son of David, and they're saying he's so strong, the the Jews of Israel would think he'll kick out these lousy Romans who have been in control for so long, and, and our homeland will be retaken for ourselves And they're thinking anyone associated with a guy that's going to be bringing all this in will no doubt be greatly honored throughout the land. And who wouldn't want a piece of that? But Jesus responds uh, to James and John and their mother that it's not about being great. It's about being a servant. It's not about having prestige and position and power. It's about sacrifice, he says in those verses. And he's going to show them on the cross what he tells them here. He's not a typical king. And he says, I've come to give my life to save my people. And so the power hungry, those who want a piece of the glory, are not going to get those things from Jesus. That's not what he's about. Another possible answer to what do you want from Jesus is thrill and frenzy. And this, in effect, is the answer the crowd gives in our text. A large crowd followed him, we read, and when the blind men called to Jesus for help, the crowd told them to be quiet. And in doing that, in in shutting them up, uh, they're showing, they're revealing what they want. They're like, this is the future king. Let's get him up to Jerusalem. The crowd is pumped. They've got Jesus fever. They like the excitement, the bustle of hundreds of people. This is exciting. And I think it's possible for us to answer this way today too. People can want power and glory from Jesus or more, the thrill and frenzy. And I think of people who go to church and want to be entertained. They want to be part of a big crowd like uh, you can have in a megachurch. Not that you can't worship with many, many people, but for some people it seems to be more about being where they think the action is than it is about Jesus. They want to be where the lights and the smoke machines are. Wherever there's a crowd, that's where you'll find these folks. They want to feel something from Jesus. They want to be pumped up for their week to come. And you kind of wonder if if these same people would be committed Christians if they had to worship in a little house church under threat of persecution uh, where no crowds are following Jesus. 
There seem to be many Christians who think that the faith is especially about having the right feeling or that it's about our emotions. And when you grow up in a church that does not make faith mostly about our feelings and emotions, and you meet Christians or attend a worship service that is different, like our students did on that Mexico trip, you might think that there's something missing, and, and then you can be drawn into that type of crowd. I want to feel something. I want to get excited. But when you make excitement, thrill, action, a litmus test for the faith, you run into trouble. Jesus is life-changing. That's obviously exciting. But the life of faith can be tough. It's not about looking for your next high all the time to keep you going, to keep you faithful. Feelings can quickly fade. And here, after the triumphal entry that I mentioned and the shouts of Hosanna, the excitement would quickly dwindle. The poll numbers of approval for Jesus would go down rock bottom, and these people would join the crucify him movement. They flipped on a dime, and and honestly, those who chase after a feeling-based Christianity can enter very dark places when the thrill is gone. Say, what's wrong with me? My faith is no good. I can't feel Jesus anymore. I'm not feeling the Spirit. And the reality is that God has us go through valleys as much or even more than mountaintops in our lives. And so to depend on that excitement, to depend on our feelings and emotions will not do the trick. Thankfully, there's another possible answer to Jesus' question, what do you want from me? It's a better one than what James and John want and what the crowd shows they're about. The blind beggars want compassion and comfort from Jesus. Now, they, they were on the right track. What they looked for and received is a contrast to the crowds and uh, to the two disciples, James and John. Jesus is like... Get this, what these guys did. Jesus is like, what do you want from me? And their answer is, what's their answer? We want to see you, Jesus. They come in their great need. They know they're in big trouble. The other two groups think they're fine on their own. These guys know that they are not. And they know that Jesus is the only one who can help and bring mercy and healing. And so when the crowd tells them to be quiet, they shout all the louder. They're looking for something totally different than the others. They're looking for, if you remember back a number of weeks, they're looking for even just a crumb like that Gentile woman who was so desperate. Jesus doesn't have patience for those first two groups. But Jesus does have a heart for those who seek Him with their all. He has a heart for those who want Him as their only comfort. And so we read Jesus has compassion on them and touches them and they're healed. And really, if you think about it, this pair was seeing clearly even before they were healed. 
God had already worked on their heart already before the miracle happened. They were seeing a whole lot more than the crowds. They saw the depths of their misery. They saw that Jesus is the answer and they just wanted him. In these baptisms, uh, we see the work of Jesus on these two babies who are totally helpless. They can't uh, do much of anything for themselves. But Jesus says, that's who I specialize in helping. The totally helpless. Where are the power and the glory people? They're gone. Where are the thrill and the frenzy people? They change sides. Where are the beggars and the blind? You know what? They're in Jesus' heart. All those who recognize their great need and turn to Jesus, He embraces with compassion and mercy and His comfort in life and in death. And this is how He builds His church and His kingdom with such as these. And so friends, back to that question, what do you want from Jesus today? If the answer is that you just want to see Him, if that's enough for you, you know what, you're on the right track. May we be people who want Him as our only comfort. And when Colin and Finn grow older and you imagine them in Sunday school, cadets, youth group, and and they hear that question from Jesus, uh, and Jesus says, what do you want from me, boys? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> when they hear Jesus say, what do you want from me, boys? May they say, I don't want power. I don't want fame. I don't want cheap thrills. I just want to see Jesus. And Jesus, have mercy on us, sinners that we are. And you know what? Jesus will answer that request and work a miracle in their lives just as surely as he did for these blind beggars and he'll do the same for you and me today too when we go to him in our need and just want to see him and just want him may that be your prayer heavenly father thank you for your word change us with your word help us More than anything else, Lord Jesus, uh, to see you through your word and to see you in our lives. We pray these things in your precious and holy name. Amen.